Hello and welcome to Cancre, your home of Canada's queer medium. My name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. Hello, Sebastian. How are you doing today? I'm doing well enough. I'm inexplicably tired. I say inexplicably, but uh, yeah, it, it's it's sleepy time, long night time of year where everyone gets sleepy because of uh, circadian sunlight, blah, blah, blah. Yep, 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 yep. There is definitely a lack of sunlight. And you know us gays, we thrive on sunshine. I don't. No, I don't. No, you 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 wither. <laughs> Actually, my favorite time of year is mid-February when you have those days where you look outside and you and it's deceiving because the sun is bright and the sky is clear and you're like, ooh, I'll wear a light windbreaker. And you go outside and it's the surface of the moon. But you know, I, any, I love that any Canadian that looks outside in the middle of February and sees no clouds, just beautiful blue sunshine, knows at their core <laughs> that that is going to be colder than. And I'm going to leave the metaphor now. It would have I'd involved heats. Martian uh, ice caps. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah exactly. uh, it's pretty bad out there. Yeah. 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 But that's I kind of like that when it's that that winter frigidness, but the sun is shining and the, the sun goes up and down at reasonable hours. And uh, my favorite thing is uh, two things. First of all, uh, everyone else stays home. So there's fewer cues. It's a perfect time of year to go shopping. And the other thing is it's a perfect time of year to get ice cream because a lot of people don't realize that when you get ice cream, you just have this instinct to shovel in your face before it melts and becomes mm. disappointing. Have you ever walked around casually with an ice cream and just eat it when you feel like Not it? Not in February. No. It's the best time to no. do it. Yeah. You know what? You are you are a you're a you're a strange one there, Mr. Sebastian Blunt. Well, that's like saying you refuse to have a hot dog in the summer because hot dogs are warm. No, I disagree. I, I think that there is still something very peculiar about wanting to have all the ice creams in the middle of February when it is cold. But it doesn't melt. You can, you can have a casual ice cream. It's the only time of year you can have a ha casual ice cream unless you have a walk-in freezer. Do you know what the issue is? I'm in a, I'm in a rather old building, so okay. uh, we broadcast uh, the show Can Queer, home of Canada's queer media, out of uh, Hart House here at the University of Toronto. Mm -hmm. And uh, the building, 100-year-old building, Gothic Sky, absolutely I can see exposed beautiful. stone on the wall behind yeah, you. You can see, but we, I mean, our listeners can't see because uh, <laughs> we are radio, but uh -huh. uh, there's exposed stone, it's beautiful there's this lovely lead lined glass window mm -hmm. uh, with the world's thinnest single pane of glass that mm -hmm. has ever existed the mm -hmm. whole building is a draft mm -hmm. um not a drift it is a draft and uh, it's just cold and i've got this this space fan heater so i don't mm -hmm. turn into an ice cube but it's blowing this very hot air into my face whilst most of my body is quite cold and it's just if i don't go down with you know bad temperature itis by the end of this uh, week i'll be amazed i believe it's called the lurgy yes oh yeah i'm looking i'm looking <laughs> down the barrel of the lurgy now i did recently get my flu vaccine mm -hmm. uh, actually i got my tetanus shot at the same time i don't think uh, you know, everyone should have a, te a tetanus shot. I mean, they're not like Pokemon. You, you don't need to collect them all. But uh, where was I going with this? Yeah, when I had the flu vaccine. Because I saw today that uh, the Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario is at this point begging people mm -hmm. to go and get the flu vaccine. The, the, 
this flu is just rampaging across mm-hmm. the province and uh, it is uh, it is pretty grim and it's all over the place and I'm seeing a lot of people you know it's now I don't know if it's just a post-COVID reality where if you see somebody going and it's like mm-hmm. oh, or or <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you cross yeah. the street and you like you know put the scarf over your face and it's <laughs> Yeah, it's like everyone is the plague. But the truth of the matter is, is that there is a lot of flu circulating. And uh, it's not fun to have, and it's not fun to give to little children. Mm. um, Because the hospitals are just ridiculously overrun at the moment. It is Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm, quite grim. mm -hmm. And hopefully I don't get the lurgy. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll see. For listeners who may not know, uh, lurgy. I had to. I had to teach somebody the term lurgy just this morning, actually, because uh, uh, I made a joke. Uh, lurgy is ambiguous. It's probably the cold or flu, or maybe allergies, or maybe you just ate something that's a little bit off. It's general sniffy yeah, it's malaise. Like, it's in the face. <laughs> it's in the face. Yeah, yeah. It's and a completely non-medical sure term. We're not doctors. The lurgy yeah, yeah. is not an actual no, no. diagnosis. Yeah, yeah. Lurgy is a joke term that came from a sketch comedy show in the 1950s, I think, in England. Um, but yeah, no, the the lurgy. Uh, yeah, it, it's just, and it lasts uh, anywhere from six hours to three weeks. It is uh, famously ambiguous. You you could just walk into a room with a little bit more dust than usual, and then you get the lurgy. It's, uh Yeah. Yeah. It's lurgy season, that's for sure, though. Absolutely. And this week's show is brought to you by the pharmaceutical companies. So that's, <laughs> uh, that's always a great sign. Now, we did actually have LGBTQ plus news for uh, this week, uh, the mm-hmm. gay news. We are a, an LGBTQ radio show. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that you, well, let's start. I think you had something with Joe Lysett. Yeah, uh, so Joe Lysett came out with uh, yet another statement today about the the football association that is behind FIFA. Uh, actually, there, there's a few stories coming out of Qatar. So there's been a lot of complaints. I, I think Joe Lysett is just one of the more uh, vocal people about it, but I, I have been seeing other people saying the same thing as well. So the football association has been telling to the world, come to Qatar, everyone is welcome. And then they get there and they find out that not everyone is welcome. And there is this sort of a a complaint going on of two things. First of all, if not everybody is welcome, why did you lie? And second, uh, if not everyone is welcome, why did you host it there? Now, of course, at the same time, there's a corruption scandal that is a little bit bigger than this show. But you and I have talked about it off Mm. off mic a few times. If you're interested, there is a six-episode Netflix documentary series on the FIFA corruption scandal, which gives you the tip of the iceberg. Oh yeah, more revelations have yeah. come out today in the past hour. I, I read uh, breaking news about it. Um, so yeah, th- there's been a, it's been a bit of a kerfuffle, and it's kind of showing some of the behind the scenes corruption uh, at the global level and at the national level. There's a few people in the EU who have been imp- implicated. It's kind of a big deal, but um, yeah. So there, there's two things going on. Yeah, the the, the first is. Uh, why did they host it there if it's so bad? And the answer is corruption and money. And that, that's a different issue. And the other one is, why did they lie? And I think this is where we get into the usual discussion that we have during the summer at Pride about pinkwashing and about sort of a, a corporate virtue signaling. Now, the difference is that 
if a bank says everyone is welcome and it turns out they're a little bit rude to people sometimes, mm -hmm. uh, that can ruin the day of a few people. Uh, what's happening in Qatar can physically harm people and uh, possibly even cost lives. I mean, there's also a story behind that. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, so there is that issue of why did they lie? Why did they say everybody is welcome? And then, and then start banning t-shirts and armbands and, and stuff like that and and watches yeah. and yeah it was it was truly ridiculous and i think that in the western world people you know leadership have struggled with how to reconcile that because on the one hand mm -hmm. fundamentally everyone wants to go and support their teams and have a good time mm -hmm. and do well. You know, I was hearing recently that the Canadian uh, sports press corps that went to uh, Qatar for the World Cup was the smallest uh, country delegation that went. Like, really? Like the, yeah, we didn't have as many sports journalists as Morocco, for example, which uh -huh, was, uh -huh. which is insane. Although Morocco is doing incredibly well. Yeah, they made history by being the first African nation to get into the finals. Yeah, it's very exciting. I, uh, I know nothing about sports, but even I know about that. You did that, hear that's... about that. I did hear that England <laughs> got uh, knocked out. So that was, uh, you know... As a Welshman, you know, mm -hmm. people think that we would be happy when England doing so far. But as soon as Wales was out of uh, the World Cup, the, the whole country just universally started to cheer for anyone else other than England. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, uh -huh. I think it has a, it's just a rivalry born out of, you know, 800 years of uh, occupation. So, you know, it's just one of those things. So, yep, yep. Uh, there was also a lot of tweets going around about uh, when England was fighting France, the whole world was like, ooh, we don't know who to cheer and who to boo on this one. I know, it's a tough call. <laughs> yeah, colonizer v. colonizer. Spain's in the back eating popcorn. We'll see how it goes. Um, uh -huh. But yeah, uh, where was I going with this? Um, Qatar. Qatar, yes. So anyway, the whole point was they wanted everyone to come and enjoy the sport. And I know that mm -hmm. across Canada... There's been casual viewers of people like, oh, Netherlands are doing really quite well. And, mm -hmm. you know, you're walking past a bar and there's huge cheers and you're like, oh, I wonder who's playing and mm -hmm. so on and so forth. There's just a, there's been a rise in passing interest. And I want to make sure that we're all agreed. That is great. Everyone loves the passing interest. Everyone loves supporting yep. your country's uh, teams, the incredible work being done. But it was built by senior officials from Qatar who said even before the bid was coming out because before the bid came in 10 years ago everyone's like really mm -hmm. really mm -hmm. um you do know that there are gay people who play football let alone uh, you know watch it and mm -hmm. they were like yeah no we get it don't worry everyone's welcome it'll be fine just come and have fun but no beer, but come and have fun mm -hmm. and uh, it'll be it'll be hunky-dory. So people spent good money on flights, hotels, um, or rather, um, I think some of those hotels are more... Shipping crates? Glor glorified shipping containers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah <laughs> and, but also, you know, it's just about an opportunity of a lifetime and then being held up because the watch strap has a rainbow on it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you're you're welcome to come until the minute you reach or you interact with anyone of authority in Qatar. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Like that seems to be it. It's when the when the rubber meets the road, that welcome fizzles right yeah. out. Yeah, and the weird thing is, a few years ago when the Olympics was in Beijing, they they made it clear like if you can afford to go to Beijing, you should go to Beijing. It is you know it has six thousand years of history. It's the seat of of one of the world's most uh, uh, culturally enriched nations. Blah 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 blah. Do not talk about Tiananmen Square. They are an autocratic uh, dictatorship of sorts. Not on paper, but they are. Uh, by the way, uh, if you don't think you can behave yourself legally and politically, you should probably stay away. They made it very clear with Beijing. If you don't think you can behave yourself politically uh, and, and legally, you should probably stay away. They did no such thing with Qatar. And with Beijing, the messaging wasn't even strong. It was just like, by the way, they're, they're, they're not tolerant of protests. If you go, you're going to watch sports. And it was a lot of it was footnoted, but it was there. It was not everyone is welcome. It is all the athletes are welcome. And if you're there to support the athletes, go and support the athletes. By the way, Beijing has a reputation. Uh, No such messaging with Qatar. And I think a lot of people were kind of um, very disappointed in that. If they were just, I think it's just, it is kind of similar to the the debates that we have in the summer about pinkwashing that if a company was like look man we're just here to sell underarm deodorant we're we're uninterested in politics i think a lot of people would be like all right cool do you have a good product you know they they wouldn't i, I think it's the fakeness of mm-hmm. uh, the the virtue signaling of of pretending to care about something that they don't that yeah, said the, having the an international event in a country not, yeah. where you're trying to welcome people there mm. and then they're not welcome there i think that's a very different thing from under 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 deodorant but it is that sort of like at least be honest about who you are and what you are and what you care about yeah i mean don't get me wrong here we know that uh you know, random sports fans showing up, their experience of Qatar is going to be very different from Qataris that live there. Yeah. And I also want to stress that the reporting that we've seen is that the Qatari people are absolutely wonderful. We haven't, mm-hmm. I haven't seen any uh, any reports of complaints. Like I said, the, the issue seems to be with... Um, uh, bodies of authority within Qatar. Everyone mm-hmm. from gate attendants through to politicians, and I think the sports minister said something particularly obtuse recently. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I had to find the right word there. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, no, it's yeah. I don't know. It's just been it's it's left a sour taste in the mouth. And of course, FIFA claimed that uh, you know the World Cup brings everyone together. But the writing was not only on the wall. The writing was, you know, a jumbo billboard in Times Square. Like, this isn't, this is not a surprise. This is a surprise to only four or five people. And that is the people at the very top of FIFA who are Mm -hmm. either blind or uh, have been drinking too much of their own Kool-Aid. And they insist that it is still a unifying event when clearly, uh, if you're not... uh, yeah, if you're non-normative in any way, this is yeah. not uh, an event for you. There's something to be said about honesty, though, because when Brazil has events, they they make it pretty clear that you know their their police will protect you. They they welcome citizens of citizens and visitors of all different ethnic. Actually, Brazil is incredibly multi-ethnic. Uh, they're very welcoming of of you know different sexualities and blah blah blah. But also dot dot dot. By the way, Brazil has machismo culture. Uh, be careful of where you go and who you speak to. So like, they're, they're pretty honest about like, you know, if something happens, the police will step in, the hospitals will help you, the, the system will protect you. But 
Brazil has a certain culture, behave accordingly. And I, I don't know, I think there's something about that honesty and I wish people would lie less and be a bit more honest about what's going on. Japan has the same thing. Like, you know, if you're a gay tourist, they don't care. But by the way, Japanese people, they, they don't they don't have homophobia, homophobic hate. Mm -hmm. They'll just laugh at you because they don't get it. Um, and they, they kind of make it moderately clear that if you're there, you'll be welcome, but you're going to get a few giggles behind your back. No one's going to stop you from doing anything or beat you up or anything. It's just they have a certain cultural value there and homosexuality is not really in that cultural value. And by the way, just a little heads up, that can happen. And I think that's fine. I think it's fine to just acknowledge that different cultures have different values and just be clear about whether or not you're likely to be welcome there. It's, I think it's the lie. That's the, the real issue that I have. Yeah, the politicking. Now, yeah. I saw recently that uh, apparently Vietnam is the most LGBT welcoming country in Asia. Um, really? Well, like, it's because they just never got around to illegalizing it. Oh. And so they've never had to re-legalize it. You know what I mean? Like, it's got more it. from an omission of active prohibition rather okay, than, yeah. you know, and I've been to Vietnam and I think that there is, you know, there are gay bars there. There's certainly spaces. It's very, um, you know, bars that are just outside the core, down in the dark alley, you know, very sort of uh, under the radar. But mm -hmm. you know what they really like? Tourism dollars. Like that's, yeah. what, you know, that's what, that's why they're very welcoming uh -huh. is because uh -huh. they want the tourism dollars. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. there is almost a an us and them approach. You know, the them, the these gay tourists that come and spend all their money and they pay the asking price for whatever you're trying to sell them. You know, mm. that's their perception of, of, you know, tourism. But then how homosexuality is dealt with among queer folks or among uh, the Vietnamese is very different. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something to be aware of as well. You know, I'm not expecting that the Qataris are now going to become bastions of LGBTQ liberation. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, don't invite us with one side of your face and then try and block us with the other side. It just seems it's very... It's very frustrating, and I think that that's what's annoyed people the most. And the ones that are most culpable here is not the Qataris, because like I said, the writing was on the wall from day one. Oh, yeah. The culpable party here is FIFA, and mm -hmm. the decision-making, uh, the the expo, particularly for uh, uh, for the decision to host in Qatar, uh, very short-sighted. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, I think we need a little something to uh, to lighten the mood. This okay. is Weather Report by Sammy Volkov. Now, we played a different track by Sammy Volkov. And you said uh, it was like a... I feel like you said it was a gay Buddy Holiday. Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly. Who's Buddy yeah. Holiday, then? Uh, that would be uh, a friend of uh, uh, the... Oh, the guy from uh, uh, Deadwood. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Doc Holiday. Yeah, yeah. His friend Buddy. His friend <laughs> is uh, is Buddy Holiday. Yeah. Oh, not his brother or something. Just a friend. Same last name. No relation. Uh -huh. <laughs> All right. Anyway, this is uh, what are we? Weather report by Sami Volkov. We'll be back just after this. You know what? Give me just a second. You realize that this player had the music muted all the way down. So we'll try that again.
Welcome back to Kankwe, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. I, I went very British then. My name is Luke Smith. Uh-huh. Very sort of West London. Um, uh, just that was very bizarre. That was not my initial plan uh, or accent, actually, mm-hmm. as that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, where was it going? Oh yes, uh, gay news. The big yes. thing I saw recently, and it was a lot of <laughs> random finger wagging. It got me quite excited. Um, uh-huh. Two things. Yes. First. An event happened in 2002. Um, now, I realize for a certain generation of our audience, that's mm-hmm. going to be like, wow, that was shockingly recent. Nobody was alive back then. Nobody was alive back in 2002. Um, but for the younger generations, they were like, wow, I was born. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, because, yeah, 2000, they're all like 18 now, which is just... Mm-hmm. No, wait, where are we? No, that's no 20. I, I, I missed the pandemic years in my, in my mental math. <laughs> Everyone does. I always do that. I was like, oh, you know, it's only been two years and it's been five because, of course, the yeah. pandemic happened. Um, where was I going with this? Yes. So 20 years ago. Wow, so much time. At Goliaths. In, yeah. In 2002. Yes. 
the Calgary Police Service raided the bathhouses, or the big bathhouse. I had the name, I think it's called the Goliath, mm-hmm. um, and arrested, I want to say, like 10 people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's their recent response that has been particularly eye-catching. Mm-hmm. Now, to give context, uh, this is the kind of thing we've talked about before, that some of these raids that happened, uh, whether you agreed with it or not, there were laws on the books that basically made these kind of facilities, I guess you could say, illegal. And if they were going to shut down these facilities, fair enough, they, it was against the law at the time, but the way in which they did it was uh, dehumanizing, I guess you could say, for the people who were there. They, they very much trotted out uh, the people who were at these various uh, bathhouse and bar raids uh, in, a, in a very public and uh, not dignified manner. And some of the raids that happened, it was almost as if they were breaking up Al Capone or something like that. It was just, you know, freeze everybody, put your hands flat on the table kind of situation. Um, it was as if everyone was armed and dangerous. So some of these these bathhouse raids that happened in the past, even if you don't necessarily agree with the existence of bathhouses, which even within the community, there's some division about that, the way that they were taken down, uh, not legal. Um, but yes, the the what's interesting to me about the story, about the modern half, about the recent events. In the last it, day or two, at time yeah, of recording. Yeah, very, it happened. Well, I mean, the, the, the reporting of it was very quickly, but apparently it's been brewing for a couple of weeks now. And it was, um, they were going through archives and they found, uh, the police found archival material from these raids. And they turned to the community because they had sort of a community police liaison committee and said, hey, we found this. What do you think of that? We feel like we should do something. Yeah, that's what I think is really most, I mean, first of all, the we found something is, uh, I would argue is disingenuous, and I'll get into <laughs> it in just a second. Uh-huh. So the Toronto, no, not Toronto, the Calgary, Calgary, Alberta police mm-hmm. uh, recently discovered, well, they realized that they were coming up on the 20th anniversary of this raid on the Goliath. And uh, in this raid, they sort of uh, arrested... It was like two in the afternoon. It was like middle of the day. I think it was a work day. Um, They just raided, hit every entrance and arrested everybody in sight. I think there were about 18 people. Mm -hmm. And they arrested them under Baldy House uh, legislation, Mm -hmm. um, which is essentially... uh, I'm not sure where that that legislation sits now. It may well have been struck down since then. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, it was illegal to be in or operate or own a house or premises for the purposes of prostitution. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what can be and was frequently, very successfully argued is that bathhouses were not houses for prostitution. Primarily, they were not for the paying of services for mm-hmm. ends, yes. as it were. And uh, but the police the, that would that you know the yeah. <laughs> the interpretations of the law wasn't important to them when they were putting this raid together. Also, many of these facilities famously would kick you out if they found that you were selling. Exactly, because they'd be shut down and they'd be arrested yeah, yeah, yeah. for it. Many exactly. many were a little bit more slapdash about it. Just like some bars are slapdash about uh, checking the idea, the ID, to make sure that everyone is not a minor. Uh, so think about that. Like most bars and clubs are pretty good. Everybody knows of at least one bar or club in their town where famously, like, you can be an old-looking 18 and get in. Mm-hmm. 
So, uh, but yeah, so the the, the so uh, they the they way. arrested these eighteen people. They mm -hmm. got mug shots, fingerprints, and they said to the vast they said to everybody, you know, if you plead guilty, we'll charge you with these these minor lesser crimes. It, you will not have a criminal record. Mm -hmm. um, it's a very stern slap on the wrist, essentially. And uh, but then I think two of them had the charges stayed, and then six of them took the Calgary police. Well, they fought the charges. They took them yep. to court. They fought the charges all the way. And the judges eventually concluded, well, they tossed them out. I think it was like three years later, this entire mm -hmm. trial period. And all the charges were tossed out, really demonstrating the complete lack of legal basis for this police raid. Mm -hmm. You know, And I think that's what really struck some of those final nails in the coffin for police raids on bathhouses mm -hmm. is that they can arrest anybody they like, but those charges are never going to hold up in court, and they didn't. Mm -hmm. um, yep. The six of them were thrown out. But for those 20 people who pled guilty because we have to put ourselves into the minds of those folks, you know, your, the role that bathhouses played culturally in the queer community for many years and somewhat plays that role still is it was a space where sexuality could be explored mm -hmm. uh, in, a, in an intimate fashion mm -hmm. and uh, it would mean that if you're exploring your sexuality maybe you were not out to your roommates or your family if you're still living at home and undoubtedly, there were some folks who identified as straight, probably people who had, you know, wives and children who also mm -hmm. um, went and participated in, in, in these venues. And it was a way to uh, explore themselves and to sense each other and um, not have to take that home, as mm -hmm. it were. And I think what you do is when you arrest somebody in the spot... It is a heck of a spotlight that you are immediately shining on all of their behavior, uh, which was entirely legal, legal mm -hmm. behavior, but maybe not something that they are comfortable with being showcased to their family, their roommates, what have you, uh, in the immediate. So it is of little surprise that so yep. many men chose the path of absolute least uh, yep, resistance yep, yep. and took the lesser charges. So the Calgary police has essentially said, look, you know what we're going to do 20 years on is we'll work with these people who were arrested to mm -hmm. expunge records, to remove fingerprints for the database. Mm -hmm. And that is what I think is really interesting about their response now 20 years later. Yeah, because it was the police were like, we want to do something here's our idea like it was their idea to to go ahead with the expunging because they knew how to do that they knew the the process they knew the paperwork uh i think the the community requested that they do something but it was the police who found the records and was like well we found these should we help you get rid of them um so it was it's a very interesting change of pace from toronto uh, and to I mean, yeah, just just for context, yeah. Toronto apologized for their massive undercover sting operations, mm -hmm. and then conducted a million dollar undercover sting operation like. 
two months later. It's like, no, it's, no, it's not, no, no, no. It was a week later. It was a week. It just, it yeah, like, yeah, not yeah. Only the is ink it wasn't even dry. Yeah, oh yeah, my yeah. God. Wow. Yeah. There's other cities that have had uh, famous historic raids like that. Um, places like uh, Hamilton here in Ottawa and Vancouver all have historical events. And their, their police are flawed but human and trying hard where we we kind of don't want to judge them too harshly because when we report on events in in these cities we know that they're they're indicating that they are trying to do something uh we don't really give a lot of leeway to toronto because they don't really give the impression that they're trying to do much of anything well Um, yeah i mean the reason why toronto doesn't get any patience from queer media is because of the lack of learning yeah, yeah, what yeah. I mean by that is during the Bruce MacArthur killing spree, mm-hmm. people were jumping up and down saying there's a serial killer and they were being actively ignored. Yeah. You know, Toronto police chose to not integrate the National Missing People database into their operating systems. Mm-hmm. The independent judge report into the Bruce MacArthur murders was absolutely scathing. Yep. of the Toronto police in terms mm-hmm. of its practices and procedures. So, yeah, they refuse to learn and have for decades, and uh, that's why they don't get an inch of mercy when it comes no, to no, no, no. perception. Because whereas other ones like the Calgary police, yeah, I am disappointed that, for me at least, 2002 seems pretty recent. It's, you know, it wasn't in the 1900s, as, uh, as they say. It was, mm-hmm. you know, it was... In, in this millennia and mm-hmm. uh, but they have been they have realized that what they did um, not only had profound impacts on mm. those 18 people involved but had a seismic impact on the community there how can you trust going to any space and mm-hmm. feel safe um, if the police are going to raid you and put you up on charges that eventually three years later might fall apart, regardless what, of what you're up to, because some of the people who were arrested there, legal activity, yeah. They, well, some of the people who were arrested were just sitting at the bar having a drink and never went into the back room, and that's actually something else that that kind of bothers me about some of these things. Like, if the facility is illegal, why aren't they just charging? charging but not arresting because it's not a criminal activity charging but not arresting the owners and basically saying like you are running an illegal facility uh stop what you're doing or pay a fine Mm -hmm. the people who are going there like again with the underage drinking if you're an underage drinker and you show up to a bar you're not going to arrest every patron in that bar because the bouncer let in a 16 year old and this is kind of the equivalent and it's just kind of weird and unfair that they they behaved in that manner you know what this did the real impact that this raid had in 2002 is you know those 18 people and the dozens and dozens of people who just weren't there that day at three o'clock in the afternoon on the workday you know what those other people did they didn't they didn't sit back and go oh you know what, maybe I should change my behavior and just be, mm-hmm. you know, just give up and not do any of that again. No, it went underground. Yeah. People's safety became more at risk. People's access to things like condoms and, and safe sexual resources became next to nil. Mm-hmm. You know, people became far more vulnerable because a common place with uh, safety practices in place was raided mm-hmm. unnecessarily. Uh, by the Calgary Police Service. And that's the real, you know, that's the legacy of it, is that it it drove it underground, further underground, 
further putting people at risk. You know, that's why the the debate over the appointment of the new Toronto Police Service chief was so contentious. Because, you know, mm -hmm. if you recall, uh, people were pointing to the fact that he was, you know, with the morality police, uh, the, the, uh, the, the detachment, the, the, the squad, whatever they were called at the time, uh -huh. um, in the Toronto Police Services. Uh, at the time, a lot of these things were, were being executed. You know, 20 years is not a long time in terms of a police officer's career. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like that's, you know, some of the people who probably bust open the doors are most likely in the top brass now, 20 mm -hmm. years later, you know, if they've stuck around. So it's uh, it's it's shocking, but this is definitely the best response I've seen uh, from a police service. You know, not only is this an apology, but this mm -hmm. is attempting to walk back some of the damage that was unnecessarily done. Mm -hmm. Yep, looks pretty good, and and uh, the, a lot of the messaging around it looks pretty pretty tidy as well. And yeah, it, it's it looks like. Uh, unlike some of the other stories we've told today, uh, an actually meaningful apology, mostly because uh, they're taking accountability and they're saying like, you know, what can it's not them just sitting there saying, what can we do to help? It's we know what we can do to help. We have this idea. Uh, we may need your help for us to, to do this. So I think they probably may have just done this anyway. Like, I think they, they kind of acknowledged that this was the right thing to do and it'll be more expedient to expunge records with community assistance. But, uh, yeah, it's... I mean, they've also had... Uh, they're doing it with trauma counsellors on site in case people are re-traumatized, digging up all of these memories and, and mm -hmm. so on. And it's uh, it's been very beautifully um, handled. And I think that's what's really key here. You know, we we talk about every Pride in the July. There's this big debate about police participation in Pride. Mm -hmm. And my mother, for one, is, uh, you know, one to say, well, if you're all about welcoming everybody, why are you telling certain people not to attend? Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, these are institutions of power that unnecessarily pushed us to the side, rounded us up like rabid dogs. And it's it's dehumani dehumanizing, it's it's traumatic, um, and it has lasting impacts on the queer community. And that's why maybe we don't want you to come and hang out at our party. You know what I mean? Well, I would say <laughs> institutions are not people. So yeah. uh, to say, like, the police are not welcome. There's a lot of people who's, who also say the banks shouldn't be welcome because mm. not not anything to do in specific with like well, TV let's be or real. whatever. If, if the banks didn't participate, the pride parades will be significantly smaller. Well, I mean, <laughs> so be it. But it's just like, I don't think anybody would necessarily be offended if the banks were told, eh, maybe you shouldn't be here. Not for any reason, not, not because they're against the banks or something. It's just that in the end, they're a bank and they're not a person. Mm -hmm. uh, you get a lot of uh, division, some people saying... Um, um, police services can't attend, but individual police officers who serve openly in their units should be there because change comes from the inside and we should support them. And da, da, da. you get some of that as well. Like it's, it's a debate back and forth, but ultimately what I think it comes down to, it's a city by city thing. If the police service in a given region, because it's not always by the city, especially when you're in the countryside, but yeah, depending on the service, if they show 
a good modern recent record of doing well they should absolutely be at least considered mm-hmm. but i mean and i we, think calgary yeah. has uh, has definitely passed that line they're 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 doing well good but on them we have to be aware of you know even though this was 20 years ago a lot of these folks are still very much alive Mm-hmm. You know, if they were participating in this activity in the twenties, these are only forty-year-old men. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. this is, this isn't uh, when you know we're not talking ancient history. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's there's a lot of people still living with those uh, with those impacts today. But it was it was very encouraging. I was I was I was pleased mm-hmm. to see um, that uh, that response. Why don't we jump to another track? And when we get back, I have an update from Isis Couture. And uh, I believe you also have an update on EU. And I think, I'm not sure whether or not you heard about the Poland uh, intervention on this one. So we'll see whether or not that is the case. But uh, before we get to discussing Poland, this is another level by Hyenas. All the artists today are openly LGBTQ identified Canadian musicians. And we will be back just after this.
Hello and welcome back to Canqueer, home of Canada's queer media. My name is still Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. I didn't get to say that after the last segment because you, you had a thing. I I was very excited about Calgary, <laughs> which is not a sentence I often say, but it was a uh, it was very exciting. Mm -hmm. I'm actually going there next June. Going to where? Calgary. Oh, yeah. I thought yeah. you said I thought you meant like going to excitement. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to excitement. You know, I'm probably going to something exciting in June. I don't uh, know what it would be. The Stampede. I don't think the Stampede is in June. The stampede is all year round in your heart. If you really it is, in it, it is a stampede in my heart. <laughs> my doctor calls it an arrhythmia, but it's, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't have an arrhythmia um, or a stampede in my heart. Uh, mm -hmm. However, I have been recently trampled by the learning of the news of ISIS couture. Now I'm trying to minimize spoilers because I myself have not seen the latest episode of RuPaul's Drag Race Canada, Canada versus the Drag Race Canada of the World. Mm -hmm. um, is that the full title? I don't know. I added some Canadas in there, but there's a okay. lot of them in the actual title. It's okay. you, you also pronounced RuPaul like RuPaul. 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 Yeah. RuPaul. Yeah, RuPaul yeah, Drag Race. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, he's moving to a new network. So season oh. 15 is moving to a new network again. And okay. good for the RuPaul Empire because... Um, yeah, make those networks compete for the dollars. That's what I, I suppose, say. suppose, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Um, anyway, uh, the, the, the crux of it is that it seems like Isis Couture has voluntarily stepped back from RuPaul's Drag Race Canada, Canada versus the world. Um, they need a better name. They really need a better name. Um, but I wanted to read uh, some of the statement that Isis posted to their Instagram uh, yesterday uh, starts off with hello world this is definitely a hard one for me and it has taken me a couple of days to absorb and gather my thoughts after the latest episode honestly i don't know if i'm totally there or ever will be but what i do know is that i am surrounded by the most beautifully amazing people you have all showered me in love safety compassion and understanding Thank you all from the bottom of my heart for helping me through this difficult time. Without you, this moment would have been completely different. And for that, I'm forever grateful. There's a lot more to it, uh, but uh, Isis goes on to say, I love you all so much. Together we can get through anything. Never give up, push forward, and always remember that it's okay to not be okay. Essentially, Isis Kato stepped back to take some time for their own mental health. Okay. And um, really, I think that speaks to the incredibly high stress of uh, the production of RuPaul's Drag Race. Mm -hmm. Now, for most of our listeners, they were like, why are we listening? <laughs> why are you reading out a random drag queen's Instagram post? I found that drag queens are performances. They are caricatures, mm -hmm. essentially. Uh, but there is such a authenticity to Isis Couture that you see both on and off the stage and of course Isis Couture is an Ottawa queen we we both originated in Ottawa Isis was my uh, was not my but was the drag mother of a good friend of mine um, okay and uh, yeah just I think that there is there is maybe I don't know maybe check me on this Sebastian Mm -hmm. uh, I've been in Toronto a little while now, and there is a certain, 
je ne sais quoi, a certain big city attitude with the Toronto gay scene. Uh-huh, yes, 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 yes. The, uh, famously so, yeah. yeah. Famously so. I was trying to find the, the least offensive way of phrasing that. So with this big city attitude in, in with the Toronto gay scene, when you compare that to, you know, to Ottawa in terms of queer culture is almost like a provincial, you know, provincial town in the provincial sense as opposed to... Well, government, to, uh, uh, Ottawa has a government town attitude mm -hmm. in the gay community. Um, I have actually met people in bars where people, the first thing they ask me is, uh, what department do I work for? And what is my security clearance? And when they find out that my security clearance is too low, I am now beneath them and they've chosen to have a conversation with someone else. So yes, you weren't secretive a, enough that, that, that really <laughs> happened to me that, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, it, it's, it's baffling. It is, it's really weird. It's, it's, I, I think a lot of people here view themselves as being better than the rest of the country because they don't look down on you for whether or not you have abs, but they have their own thing. Well, yeah. Well, they look down on you for whether or not you have top secret uh, clearance yes. or not. Yes, yes, you know, I yes. think the reason why we may never have got to top secret clearance, Sebastian, is because any conversation we have is fodder for the next week's <laughs> episode of Can Queer. <laughs> so uh -huh, we uh -huh. definitely do, uh, you know, shine a light onto those things. But anyway, but yeah. I don't know, maybe you can speak to this. I don't know how well connected you were to drag culture in Ottawa, but I always found that there was more of a spit and glue atmosphere, more oh, about yeah. perseverance. People seemed more Very real. Humbled. Very yeah. humble, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think that ISIS. The community broadly is very government, but the the drag queens and the bar scene is very mm -hmm. humble. Yeah, and I think ISIS definitely not arts and crafty or spit and glue. I mean, had the most amazing outfits. Mm -hmm. My by far my favorite queen um, across all all drag queens. The only mm -hmm. queen that I'm more of a fan of than ISIS Couture is the late queen. The late queen, of course. Yes, okay. yes, she is. She remains my queen. Um, Not even the queen mum. No, she was hilarious for a gin drinking, but no, it is it is the late queen. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, I don't know. I think it's that's what's really affected me most. I think is that the, the authenticity that uh, that Isis brought to the stage. Um, now we wanted to also quickly talk about changes to recognition of parenthood. Yes. In the EU, the European Union. Now, before I hand it over to you to discuss the sort of fundamental case that's being put forward, I think it's legislation, actually. Mm -hmm. I want to give our listeners a little bit of context. Within the European Union, particularly there's the, I think it's the Shenzhen area, the idea is that if you move from Germany to France or France to Germany or Italy mm -hmm. or Romania or whatever, mm -hmm. that your rights in Italy are the same as when you move to France and your rights in France are the same as when you move to Germany. Mm -hmm. And no matter where you are, you are treated equally under the law in each of these locations. Mm -hmm. And the challenge has become where if in France you are a gay couple and you adopt and you have a child and you've been parenting them and uh, everything's hunky-dory and you get this fantastic new job in Poland, which is a case from 2019, you get to Poland, you're signing up for school and daycare and what have you, mm -hmm. your rights, or rather the rights of that child, stop at the Polish border. 
because they refuse to recognize children of same-sex uh, parentage. So, and that stands yeah. out from that fundamental core principle of no matter where you are, treated equally under the law. Go ahead. Sir. It is. I mean, whenever you get levels of government, you get the same tension. So, to a small degree, you get that within Canada as well that the provinces want to be autonomous, but it, they can't be so autonomous that they're basically another country. Because then, what's the point of being in Canada anymore? So, they there is that kind of thing as well that Italy has the right to do its own thing, and Norway has the right to do its own thing, but they have to stay within the EU. And that's actually something that that is driving this story. And they're they're coming up with a standardized document of parentage, and. Although there are a lot of LGBT activists in Europe that are praising it, it was actually driven uh, by just general standardization. Like famously, the, the EU is why uh, there are not 75 billion different USB sockets anymore. Yeah, they famously have made Apple enter the real world with a USB-C connection. Like, yes. Uh, you know, they are the only ones that seem to be able to hold Apple to account. Yeah, because um, the EU yeah. said, like, all these cables, that's stupid. It, it's making waste. It's hard on the, the consumer. It's bad on dump sites because every time you come out with a new phone, you come out with a new socket. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, some people, older folks will remember, you get a new phone, you get a new charger. You get an upgrade to that phone, you get a new charger. Like, yeah. no one... You, I remember being... You know, going and you got like big totes, big, big, big boxes, and there's 13 chargers all bespoke to yeah. just one device. Absolutely, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Well, uh, imagine the same thing, but with documentation. That That is a problem that Europe is trying to solve. And this is actually something uh, that's been driving it is because in some nations, uh, the adopted parent is on the certificate of parentage. And then sometimes it's a separate document. Sometimes if you are. Uh, if you're like an egg donor and it went to a surrogate, uh, you are the parent and sometimes they don't acknowledge that. It, it's it's kind of all over the map. And they were, they were sort of looking at it and saying, you know, we should probably come up with a standardized document of parentage. And really what it is, it's more like a document of guardianship. Like who are the legal parents? Mm -hmm. um, whether or not you are the biological parents. I mean, you, again, you can. it doesn't even have to be about adoption or about same-sex couples. It could also be about things like you know, egg donors and surrogates, um, or even just step parents who are acknowledged as, as if they were the, the parent. Um, they're basically just saying like, we need a single document that indicates who are the legal guardians and who are the legal parents of the child regardless. And as it happens, just doing this thing that, that sort of levels things off between, you know, Croatia and Ireland, in terms of how do you fill out your documentation if you're anything other than the biological mother and biological father, um, it just happened to be that as they were writing it, it happened to include same-sex couples as being uh, probably well, it, the it biggest also, beneficiaries. It was also driven from multiple court cases, including oh, the yeah, 2019 was... court case with the same-sex parents in uh, in Poland. You mm. know, my issue is, is that if Polish people want to, if the people of Poland are to be free to go and live and work in France and Germany and Italy and Ireland and take their children and have their children enter into the school systems, mm -hmm. then when the French, Italian, German and Irish go to Poland, that there's an expectation that there's a fair and equal exchange back. But mm -hmm. the Polish government is adamant that uh, their rules, you know, their house, their rules. Mm -hmm. um, 
and uh, we'll see. It is it is actually quite likely that this will fail because the Polish justice ministers have uh, indicated they will veto it, and it needs unanimous European Council consent to uh, enter into law. However, it does look like the EU will push for just broader cooperation. So we'll mm. see things start to move. And should the parliament in uh, Poland change, maybe they will bring it back. Mm. But um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's... If you want to play the game, you've got to play by the same rules as everybody else, and it just seems well, very uh, lopsided. By acknowledging this, they don't they don't have to acknowledge uh, same sex marriages as it happens, because really all you're saying is that the legal guardians of this child who makes mm. all their medical decisions are these people, and you don't have to agree with the relationship between those people. You just need to acknowledge that these are the people who are the fundamental protectors and decision makers mm -hmm. for this child, and I think. I think there's just a case to be made that that they could accept this and still be iffy on accepting same-sex couples. Yeah. I think th there's a case to be made there. Well, we are going to keep an eye on it. Next up, we are playing with Hi by the Happy Failure. I have been Luke Smith. And I have been failure. Sebastian. And thank you for listening. <laughs>